Love you, church. And if you have a copy of God's Word, I hope that you do. Please turn in your Bibles now to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, Colossians chapter 1. And uh, camera operators, if you can, kind of zoom out as far as you can because I want the church to see uh, this morning that off to my right is a television screen. And then off to my left is another television screen because uh, this frail preacher, uh, this frail shepherd can't do this alone. And so there's leaders on both of these screens who've lent, who, has lent, who they have lended, I think that's the right word, uh, they've lended their presence so that I can see uh, people's faces even this morning as I preach. And so uh, we need the Lord's strength to do what he's called us to do, don't we? Allow me to pray and ask for that. And so, Father, we pray this morning. We pray for your strength. We ask for your goodness and your favor. Father, as Pastor Nate has already prayed, he's brought a request before you. And Lord God, oh, we have so many more. But in this moment, we ask for your Holy Spirit's presence to put them in perspective now to the opportunity that we hold dear as believers of you, God, that we can come into your presence, that we're in your presence even now. That even these words that I'm speaking are able to reach hearts, reach ears that will then send truths to our hearts. Oh God, please do what you desire to do with this time, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of the church said, come on, say amen. All right, we're in our series, week six, as a matter of fact, in our series called Centered. Here's the premise of the series. For those of you who are joining in who are brand new, here it is. We believe that, and it is given to be true, that whatever we place at the center of our lives ultimately, ultimately, ultimately uh, controls so much about who we are, what we do, what we think about. And we've kind of come upon this, and we're saying, look, so often we relinquish our attention, and we put other things at the center of our lives other than that which should be there. And so last week we all acknowledged that there was something pressing in on all of our lives, and so here we are one Sunday later, and how absolutely true is it that that, thing, that same thing has not gone away? We've just lived through another week where one thing continues to press into the center of our lives. How our schedule's been disrupted, how our budgets, our relationships, our thoughts, our actions, our feelings. Our Sunday morning has been affected now, or even our small group gatherings have been affected all by a tiny enemy that we can't even see. And you see, now more than ever, church, now more than ever, Christian, now more than ever, seeker, now is the time where we need to center ourselves all the more on Jesus Christ. Now more than ever is a time where we need to come to God's word and ask, what is it that God has for us in these moments? And so this morning, thinking about Christ-centeredness in our lives, we are on this Christ-centered protection. Say protection. protection. You're not off the hook. Come on, say protection. protection. Now say it like the entire church can hear you. Say protection. protection. All right, by faith, I believe you just said protection. Now more than ever, we need protection. 
This past week, more than ever, our entire world has been under full force lockdown protection like our generation has never seen before. You know, when push comes to shove, when life and death hangs in the balance, it's amazing how quickly those things which I used to place at the center of my life that I'm willing to shed them. But I gotta be honest with you, friends, that shedding didn't come easy this week. From last week into this week, there was a lot of grief and there was, there was a few times where I kinda were putting my emotional dukes up, you know? I like my routine. I like getting up early. I like working out with my fitness community. When those things were taken from me, I got a little protective and a little anxious. Up until this week, I, we've been protecting our budget as a family because we want to travel. But come on, friends, think about it. What is a budget to be protected now for a vacation if we can't leave our homes? Those things that were pressing in on us before have all been disrupted. My interest, my budget, how about my time and my schedule? We have no idea what even tomorrow brings. And just when we think we have a plan, something else happens to completely disrupt our plan. And so now, with so many other things that we used to place at the center stripped away, it's obvious to me what we all long to protect more than anything else. My interest, my budget, my plan, my schedule, my whatever, all seems to pale in comparison now to what? We all long to protect one another. We all are longing to protect the people that we love. Church, even this morning, we are all willingly not gathering. We are not meeting. Why? In an attempt to protect the sanctity of human life. You see, right now, we are actually all binding together by staying apart. I mean, how counterintuitive is that? We're all actually binding together by staying When I was in school, we called that opposite day. Up is down, left is right, and right now, binding together is staying apart. Why are we doing it? To protect those who are close and those who are far off. To protect those that we know and love and those who we may never meet only in heaven. Oh, but by God's grace, would we as a spirit community come together by staying apart in this way. You see, the love of Christ compels us by nature to protect. The love of Christ by nature compels us to protect. To protect ourselves so that we then can protect our families, so that we then can protect our communities, so that we then can participate in protecting our world. And so then as a church, we also long to fulfill the call of protecting one another spiritually. The question that is before us today as we come to Colossians chapter two is this, how do we do that? How do we actually protect one another when we're not near one another? What does it look like to know that one another's walking with Christ and that one another's needs are met when I don't have the opportunity to look into your eyes the way that I normally would or to extend a hand or to give the, to give the hug that I 
long to give. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's absolutely miraculous to me that the passage of Scripture that we're in today answers this question. I mean, how good is our God? Series planned months and months and months ago, and here today in this text, the Apostle Paul is going to tell us how do we protect and encourage one another when we're really far apart. Come on, friends, think about this. The entire New Testament is written by Christian leaders who longed to be with their churches, who longed to be with their fellow Christians, but couldn't be. And so they picked up their pen and they rolled out a parchment and they wrote down these words. Come on, read them with me. You know the context in Colossians chapter two, if you've been tracking, if you're brand new to church, this letter in the book of Colossians is written by a man named the Apostle Paul. He'd been arrested at this point for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so he wrote a letter to a church that he did not plant or start. We're not even sure if he'd ever met them. Some false teachers had crept into this church and started to threaten their spiritual health, and so Paul goes to battle. He goes into protection mode as a preacher, as a shepherd, and here's the words that he wrote to this church that he longed to be with. Come on, Colossians chapter 2. Let's read this together. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen my face. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Verse 2 that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, that they would reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding, and that the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 4, I say all of this, why? In order that no one, that no one, that no one would be deluded that no one would delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ Jesus. So here we go, friends. From Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, we have uh, two points. Two things that we can do as a church to follow Paul's example, to encourage, to protect each other in these difficult times. How do we protect one another? Here we go. We got two things. Just show them here. We got two things. Christ-centered protection requires everyone be encouraged and no one become deluded. Christ-centered protection from this text looks like this. Everyone needs to be encouraged, and we need to step up and watch that no one becomes deluded at this time. Look at verse 1. Everyone be encouraged. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, for I want you to know. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea, for those who cannot and have not seen my face. I know that it might be a little bit hard for introverts to grasp, but a lot of people are struggling with this social distancing. And I'm even finding out that even the staunchest introverts among us are actually feeling like this is getting a little bit long, and here we are, barely week two. Even now as I preach, 
I feel the struggle to not see your face. As I look around the room, I remember uh, where so many of you sit. You've heard us say so many times that the church is so much more than a building. We know that. The church is so much more than a building. We get that, but you've also heard us say this over and over and over again, that the church, by definition, this Greek word, ecclesia, the church, by definition, is actually a gathering. By definition, it's called an assembly of people. And so at our core, church, at our core, we long and we crave to be together. We long to look each other in the eye. We long to offer a hand and give a hug. And, and you know, there's people who are asking pastors this question. Are you concerned that if, you, if church goes online, if you assemble online, that people won't come back to your church? Let me hear it loud and clear. No. We are not concerned about that. Because those who embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ long to be with other Christians. They long to worship the Lord together. They long to assemble together. They long to hug each other. They long to serve each other. They long. And so while this season is upon us where we have to assemble virtually, we are not at all put off or all put back by this. We believe that at the end of the day, when all of this passes, our room, our church, our family will be bigger, stronger, and bolder with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, church, hear this now. The Lord is doing a work. The Lord is doing something that we don't understand. His thoughts are not like our thoughts and his ways are not like our ways. But this we believe and this we hold sure. Jesus Christ's gospel will hold us together and it must go forth. Nothing can replace physical contact. Obviously that's our priority and our longing but it's amazing while we're not physically together that in a couple of moments we're going to be able to gather virtually. We're going to be able to assemble virtually in our small groups, communicating with one another, praying with one another, bearing one another's burdens, hearing one another's weights. If you're not part of a small group, check in on that welcome link at the end of the service so that we can pray for you too. This is what the church is called to do. We get to at least gather online and that is so much more than the apostle Paul had for sure. He had a parchment and he had a pen and that was all he needed to encourage the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in his day. Look at what he writes. Oh, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. The word struggle here means to fight. It means to labor. It means that he went out of his way to do what? Keep reading. I struggle, I labor, I go out of my way to do what? To encourage you. Verse two, that, your, that their hearts, that our hearts may be encouraged. Encourage, help. Encourage means to strengthen. Encourage means to hearten. If you really need to just kind of make it super simple, here it is. Encourage means to instill courage. 
To encourage means to take courage and offer it to somebody else. And I'm telling you right now, now is a time more than ever that I need the Lord's encouragement. Could you use courage? But now this, disclaimer, um, have you ever, have you ever um, had somebody try to encourage you, but instead of encouraging you, I kind of went the opposite direction? Come on. Bless their hearts, I think is the saying. Bless their hearts, they tried. But um, no judgment here at all from me because there have been plenty of times when I've tried to encourage people and I know that uh, instead of giving them kind of the encouragement uh, bomb, it kind of came off as something else. I've tried and I've failed. And, you know, in these days when we can't kind of physically hug it out, I think it's especially important that we really think about what does it look like to encourage each other? What does it look like to encourage one another in a socially distanced world? What does it look like to encourage one another? Now. How do we keep from our encouragement becoming encouragement bombs and actually be what they're supposed to be? Here's what Paul says. If you want to encourage one another, here's how we do it. Make sure that your encouragement is bound in love. Make sure, let's, let's show them on the screen here. Let's make sure that our encouragement is, needs to be bound in love and our encouragement needs to be, come on, based in Christ. Our encouragement needs to be bound in love and our encouragement needs to be based in Christ. If you really want to encourage one another, look at the text. He says this. I pray that you would be encouraged, being knit together in love. Knit together in love. I'm praying and I want to encourage you. And the way that I'm going to encourage you is to make sure that everything I say, do, post, and share during this season of my life is completely drenched in love. Come on, come on, Christian, before whatever we say, whatever we do, whomever we're in the house with, Hour after hour, minute after minute. Come on, now we're beginning to count seconds at my house. Four boys, count them. Four. Love you. Love you, sons. Everything we say, everything we do. Before you hit the post button, before we tag someone in an article, before we send the text, before we pick up the phone and dial the number. Let us ask ourselves this. Is this encouragement coming from a motivation of love? Will what I'm about to do unify us or push us apart? Come on, in a time when we are already physically separated, let us be mindful of this. And let me just say, as an exhorter, all the exhorters in the room, all of the kind of like come on, let's get it, kind of guys. Now is the time to kind of take a step back, take an extra breath, and take a little example from the mercy and service and helps people all around us and look at how good they are doing at bringing a comforting tone and a gentle voice. Notice how they're posting and reaching out and saying, how can I pray for you? Are you lacking anything? Is there anything that we can do for you? Nevertheless, here we have Paul. 
encouraging a church that he can't see, a church that he can't be with. He wants to make sure that they're all encouraged. He does that by love. But true words of encouragement are only true words of encouragement. They got to be so much more than platitudes. They got to be so much more than platitudes. You got to do more than a meme right now to touch another person's heart. And so true words of love, we know this, Christian, we know this spirit-filled one, that it's got to be filled with truth. Real truth. Real gospel message. Real substance. Look at what the Apostle Paul continues to write here. You'd be encouraged that together in love, I write these, so, so you would reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. I pray that you would know the mystery, which is Christ Jesus himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. And so what Paul is saying, I want to encourage you with the truth about Jesus to the extent that you understand what is wise wisdom and understanding. And so wisdom is this. We've said this before. Wisdom is knowing what is right and understanding is knowing why. And so now more than ever is the time when we get into God's word and we say, God, how, how can I center myself on you right now? God, what is the next right thing to do given the context and the circumstances that we're going through right now? And now, Lord God, would you give me understanding not just to do what is right, but to actually plant my feet on you as the rock understanding why. True encouragement is bound in love and it's based in Christ. And so what is this mystery? What is this truth about Christ? Except that Jesus is willing to save every man, every woman, every child who's willing to place their faith and trust in him. The Bible teaches the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ went to the cross on our behalf. What is this mystery about Christ Jesus but this, that when Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus went to the cross, 2, 1 Peter 2.24 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Catch it. That's the mystery. No one saw that coming. Jesus Christ dying for the sins of the world. What is the mystery? Jesus died for our sins. What is the mystery? When Jesus died, the scriptures say that the veil was torn. And the tearing of the veil gave way for the church that would soon be born. Because the scriptures say this, now there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, but that now all are welcome before God. What is the mystery that God shows no partiality anymore? That he offers his gospel to every man, every woman, every child. And so if you hear my voice, and I pray you do, God's word teaches that Jesus Christ died for your sins. The New Testament teaches that the veil was torn, giving you access now to God. What is the mystery? This, Hebrews 4.15, that when Jesus did this work for you, we gained a, our own personal high priest who can sympathize with all of our weakness. Hear me, whatever you're going through, whatever loss you're facing, 
Our scriptures say this. For we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and he was found without sin. If you're tuning in and you're not familiar with Christ, if you're watching and you don't know about church, what we believe and what Christians cling to in this moment is this, is that we believe we have a personal Savior who's willing to comfort us, who's endured every trial that we could ever face, and he is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, and that he is spiritually present with us and in us, and that he is going to see us through this time. And that's why we're preaching. That's why we're online, because we long for you to experience that same peace as well. The mystery, Jesus died for our sins. The mystery that the veil was torn or all are welcome to the Father. What is the mystery? That Jesus Christ has become our high priest. We have access to God. We can go directly to Christ. What is it? What is it? It's that Jesus Christ now is willing to give you peace. Philippians chapter four, he's he's willing to offer you a peace that surpasses all understanding. What is Jesus willing to do? He's willing to offer you strength. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul is speaking in hardship when he says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. He wasn't in the midst of a good time. He was in the midst of a hard time. And so this verse now more than ever, come on, write it in your mirror tomorrow when you wake up with Christ at the center. We'll be reminded, church, day by day, that Jesus Christ died for our sins. We'll be reminded that we have access to him, and as we come to Jesus, he can sympathize with us, and he's willing to comfort us and to give us peace, and we'll, in coming to him, we'll find our peace, we'll find our strength, and also we'll find our joy. Romans chapter 5 says this. Not only this, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I know that that may seem crazy. Why can we rejoice in our sufferings? Because we know this. We know that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Oh, how we need hope. Hope. And hope, it says this in verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Come on, friends. True encouragement is bound in love and it's based in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Beyond platitudes comes this. Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus Christ welcomes you. Jesus Christ comforts you. Find your joy, find your peace, find your hope in a God who has all things in control. Even when it doesn't make sense, his thoughts are not like our thoughts and his ways are not like our ways. Oh, how the, how the Lord is drawing us near now. And so we encourage one another Right now, we protect one another by offering words of love and encouragement. Oh, church, by binding together and doing acts of service and love that are motivated in this truth, this gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And then here's the second one. And church, I'm I'm speaking especially to you now. I'm speaking especially to those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's, hear this next point. It's especially for you. Now, believers in Jesus, we need to be careful that now we are not deluded. That everyone is encouraged and no one becomes deluded. Look at verse four. Look at what Paul says. Paul says, I'm encouraging you in this way with love and truth. Why? So that I sow that in order that no one may be deluded, that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though, Paul says, for though I am absent in body, I am with you in spirit. I'm writing these things so that no one is deluded. In the midst of spiritual hardship, certainly Paul's context is different than ours for sure, but let us learn. In in this moment of spiritual hardship, Paul is saying this, there'll be those who want to press in. There'll be those who want to take your eyes off of the Lord. There'll be those saying, where is your God now? False teachers were pressing in on this particular church and they were trying to take, seize this opportunity as a time to introduce all kinds of mysticism and a big old word called stoicism and they were trying to be legalistic and this is the time when we need to back up and center ourselves on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now is the time that we need to anchor ourselves in the Lord. Now is the time when we need to seek our advice from God's word. For all the principles of life are here to guide us. Let us remind ourselves, what does it look like to live the life of a Christian? It's to embrace the gospel and to put off our old way of life and put on a new way of life, doing good, to allow our hearts to be filled with new virtues, love, joy, peace, patience, humility now. Allow those virtues then to flood our homes and to be extended to our families. And then from there, we we are a strong family then comes together in the church as a family of families. And here we love each other and we care for each other. And then a church that stays connected the way we're seeking to stay connected, even if it's online, we can still bind together to serve our world. Always remembering this, as the circumstances swirl around us, There's an adversary who seeks to devour, seeks to distract, and seeks to dilute and delude. Friends, remember this. The Apostle Paul is writing in a time of spiritual hardship. The lessons that we learn from the Apostle Paul apply to us perfectly. And so let us protect one another. Let us see that everyone is encouraged. Let us see that no one is deluded. That protection right now means encouraging one another so that Christ remains at the center. Now look at verse five. Paul says this, for though, come on, get your head around the fact that I'm reading this verse right now today, given the week that we just lived. Come on, as I read this verse, think about the week that lies ahead. Don't think about it long. But consider these words. Come on. For though I am absent in body, Paul says, yet I'm with you in spirit. Come on, let it sit. 
Can the church gather virtually? For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. Come on, can the church gather under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me read it again. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. Why do we leverage the technology? Why do we go the extra mile? Why, why? This is not a time to step back, church. This is a time to step up. For though I am absent in body, we are present in spirit, encouraging one another right now. Why? Look at what Paul says. Rejoicing, rejoicing to see your good order so that when we come back together, when we are united, when we are face to face, we'll know this. We've grown. We've been strengthened. The rough edges and all the other things that we used to place at the center are now pushed aside because in these days, we know, church, that it has to be Christ. It has to be Christ alone. He's stripping everything else away. Oh, right now in these days, oh, right now in these days, I know that we want to look at all the peripherals and all the circumstances and we press and we look and we blame a virus because we just ask ourselves, how will God use that which is meant for evil? How can the Lord use that which has been so distracting to focus us? How can the Lord use that which is gripping everybody's hearts with fear? How would the Lord use his church? How would the Lord use his church strengthened by the Holy Spirit? How would the Lord use his church, encouraged and bound in love? How would the Lord use his church, who's grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ? How would the Lord use his church, who refuses to be deluded or knocked off of center? But how, how, how will the Lord use us in these days? Oh, come on, let's get eyes off of self and let's get eyes on the Lord. And then from there, let us love God and let us love people to the glory of Christ. Oh, though I am not, oh, I'm not present in body, Paul says, I am with you in spirits. And friends, this is our hope. Our God has done it again. He's brought us to just the right passage at just the right time so that our hearts can be encouraged and built up. Friends, may we encourage each other by every means possible. Just yesterday, I had a whole pan of baked oatmeal show up on my door uh, with a note that simply said, made for you with very clean hands. Yesterday, I received phone calls from people who want to help. For those who want to donate and already seed our food bank to make sure that we have the supplies to get them in the hands of people who need them. Please, church, what I want us to capture is this. Nothing will stop the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the world hunkers down, it's now our time to step out. Let us do it wisely. Let us do it in faith. Let us do it with great precision and great care. But let us, as we said last week, share what others are hoarding. Let us say the things 
that needed to be said and let us do it in love. Let us ground it in God's word. Let us stand upon the gospel. During these days when we commit to being socially distant, may we lean on the presence of Christ. Knowing this, true, loving, gospel-centered encouragement will carry us through. Until we meet again, until we assemble again, whether on earth or in heaven. May we be reminded of this. Nothing, nothing, nothing will be able to separate you. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword. Come on, church, hear this. Be encouraged. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is our protection. Christ, crucified, buried, risen again veil torn, access granted. Let us gather around the throne of Christ and sing. Let us sing.